Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another program. Great to have you with us as always. Now today in this episode I want to talk about something called iconoclastic activity and I'll hold my hand up and say that it wasn't only a few weeks ago that I hadn't got a clue what that word meant and um, I'm certainly not here trying to impress you with my knowledge of etymology or anything like that. But I thought, what on earth does that word mean? When I looked it up, I discovered that it was a word that had an awful lot of meaning. And um, just about at the same time, I read an article about a football club in the English Football League who were doing things differently. So those were the two things that stimulated the uh, the topic that I'm going to talk to you about. Now, there's a book out um, by a gentleman called Gregory Burns um, who has written about being an iconoclast and his book is available on Amazon. And um, an iconoclast is essentially somebody who is a person who sees the world differently than everybody else. So they have a a rather unique and a specific vision of the world and how it is. And essentially, it's a characteristic that, as far as I can glean from reading around it, it's the characteristic of people who are the the forerunners of change, people who forge change in the world, people who create movements, people who are at the cutting edge of what they do and are the instigators of change if you like so anybody who's changed an industry or been a a significant influence on society or the world or a sport or whatever your niche is is probably somebody who could be classified as an iconoclast and if you are a a person who is passionate about change and is passionate about um, creating real positive differences and You know, you often come up against opposition and you think, why do people think like that? And I don't seem to be getting anywhere and nobody seems to agree with me. There's a high possibility that you are an iconoclast. So give yourself a pat on the back and um, put your head on the pillow tonight and think, you know what? Yeah, I might be different than everybody else, but um, I'm an iconoclast and I'm I'm proud of it. So I thought I'd, um, I'd talk about that because it resonated really strongly with me and um, it was underlined by this article I read by about a club in the English Football League who are uh, under the guidance of their their staff and particularly a sporting director are, are, are demonstrating very strong iconoclastic activity with some very, very good results. So who is this club I'm talking about? Well, the article I read is about a club called Norwich City. And, um, you know, Norwich have been in the Football League for an awful long time and um, have had varying levels of success and probably in in recent years have seen 
um, uh, rather a decline in their in in their success. But at the moment, they are showing real real changes and real positive moves. And um, this change in fortune has been well documented in an article that I read, which was really really interesting. And essentially, they've got a sporting director who was appointed. Uh, to Norwich City sometime in 2017, so a couple of years ago. And this was following a decline in Norwich's status as a football club, having a couple of relegations from the Premier League, um, first of all. This, this, as often happens, was followed, this, this demise, if you like, or this decline in relegations was followed by a ruthless quite a ruthless change at the club there was lots of restructuring both on and off the field so the old guard was out and the new guard was in and it wasn't just a change of manager who brought in you know maybe his coach or his fitness guy it was a a rather across the board sweeping change uh, both on and off the field and um, what Stuart Webber describes um, in his interview is that He came in and having looked at the situation, they, as a group of people under his leadership, made a decision about what was important to them. And that that struck a chord with me about basically Stephen Covey's seven principles of highly effective people, which will, will, you know, has parallels to highly effective organizations. And, you know, the, the second principle of that is begin with the end in mind. So know what it is you want to achieve, know what it is that you want it to look like. Otherwise, how do you know if you're being successful, you have nothing to gauge your activity against or you have nothing to gauge your progress against it? You have to know what it is you want. So the first thing they decided was they knew what it was that they wanted and from that they established what was important to them. Moving on from that, they decided that because it wasn't a possibility, spending millions and millions of pounds to buy success was not the methodology that they wanted to employ. They basically wanted to have a policy. They wanted to employ a philosophy and demonstrate a workable philosophy of developing and playing. And I think that's the key, the key word, playing homegrown players. Because they they saw very, very much a disease that exists in the English game, which having experienced it myself and continuing to experience it, that we as coaches, we as people who work in the game, we educate ourselves, we spend a lot of time educating our players, we do all the right things and we produce good players. And that fact is demonstrated by the recent successes of the international teams. The England under 17s done very, very well, won a World Cup. The England under 20s very successful. And young players of English nationality are demonstrating that they are competitive and they are amongst the best in the world. Yet, the opportunities for them to play in the first team in the English Premier League remain limited so Norwich City recognized this and were brave enough to actually decide to put this into practice 
what that invo- what that means is more than anything else is you have to embark upon a journey that is going to be fraught with challenges because we all know that the professional football industry in terms of its leadership is a, is an industry that's fraught with pressure because you've probably got three games before the tide of misfortune starts to turn. You've probably got three games to have the opportunity to win a game out of those three. Because if you have three defeats on the bounce, supporters, people involved with the club, certainly the media, they're going to start to wonder at that point. And if that vein of fortune continues with another loss and another loss and another loss, then the chances of the leader, probably the head coach or the manager, remaining in that position is going to very soon start to be untenable because the amount of pressure in the game doesn't allow that to happen if the leadership of the club bows down to that pressure, which more often than not, it absolutely does because we see it evidentially in the game today. And Norwich City have definitely definitely made a decision when you read around the subject that they were not going to be concerned in the initial period with winning, winning, winning. What they actually did and what they've decided to do is to play, let's call it the long game. And actually, if you are a student of success in life, it is the only way to have sustained success. You have to play the long game because nothing that endures, nothing that's worthwhile, nothing that has roots that will last a long time, that will transcend, you know, one generation to another is built quickly. No no empire is built quickly. No city is built quickly. No oak tree that withstands every bit of weather that nature can throw at it grows quickly. Everything worthwhile that has substance that has foundations, that is going to last, that's going to bear fruit, that will feed people and will be sustainable, takes a time to create. That is almost a fundamental law of nature. And, you know, congratulations to Norwich City for taking that taking that on board. So they decided that they were going to bring through homegrown players. They decided that they were going to allow young players to play the game at the cutting edge where it mattered, where points were at stake for the success of the club. They were going to take that on the chin, no matter whether it resulted in a victory or not. Now, that requires ultimately the trust and support of the people who who choose the team. And then second to that, it requires the trust and the support of the employers of that person. So you need a culture where everybody is on blob, everybody is singing the same song. So that whether it is a sporting director who is part of a model of leadership, or it is a manager, or it is a head coach, they have made a decision, no matter who it is who actually picks the team, that they are going to allow young players, players developed through their own academy system, to play in the first team, where valuable points are at stake that will allow that club to either succeed or fail on that Saturday or that Wednesday night and ultimately over the season. And 
it's openly acknowledged in the interview, which is absolutely refreshing that, you know, living through inconsistencies, living through players making mistakes, living through the frustrations of seeing 18-year-olds do what 18-year-olds do compared to to what a 28-year-old would do who's got a decade more of professional experience. And being prepared to go through that process and live through that journey with those young people is what the club are prepared to do. And rather than be a fleeting success where you get a win because you've got the players to do that, you go on a journey which takes a longer time to get there. But the value and the experience as they are starting to prove, is highly likely to outlast anything that is bought. And the club openly admit, and the sporting director Weber openly admits that these young players will make mistakes and that they there will have to be discussions about points that have been lost and victories that, that have got away on the learning journey, on the evolutionary journey, on the growing journey, while these players actually develop and grow as young people, as young professionals, whilst cutting their teeth at this tough edge where it's absolutely, you know, vital that they, that they play at their very best. And if they don't, then the club will suffer the consequences over a period of time. And what Weber really makes clear in his interview is that, yes, there will be mistakes. Yes, there will be the, the, these situations in these days and weeks where things don't look like they're they're going well but as long as everybody's on board as long as the club owners the directors the chairman whoever it is understand and are empathic with the process and on board with the process the communication channels need to be clear the communication channels about why things are happening need to be open so that everybody's clear about what's happening and why it's happening and things will be a lot easier. Weber talks an awful lot about communication, and I think it's well worth underlining that that successful communication, whether those are hard conversations, whether those are, are conversations that are, are between a player and, and a coach, or between a coach and a sporting director, or a coach or a, or, or a manager and a chairman, need to be frank, they need to be frequent, and everybody needs to be kept in the picture. I honestly believe that meaningful, truthful conversations are are an absolute vital part of a growing organisation. And nobody says that those conversations are going to be comfortable. And I think an awful lot of problems, an awful lot of challenges come about because people are fearful of having those conversations. And instead of having those conversations... They actually make decisions and actions which allow them to duck out of having those communications and are an easier way of traversing what is a problem. So congratulations again to Norwich City for, for, for doing that because I think it's reaping benefits. And within this, he, he goes on to talk about how the, how the model that they're employing and how the philosophy that they're employing is one that understands that just because somebody is an excellent player, just somebody who, just because somebody's been a world-class player, it doesn't mean in any way, shape or form that they will make a top coach or a top manager. He talks about the 
Red Bull team who are in, are in the, uh, the world of, of, of motor racing and said that if you took one of your elite racing drivers who are the world's best at driving at, you know, up to 200 miles an hour around a racetrack and controlling a car and put them in charge of the racing team over a couple of hundred personnel, mechanics, et cetera, et cetera, logistics people and so on. The whole thing would fall apart probably in a couple of weeks because those people are excellent at what they do, but they haven't got a clue about all the other things that go along with it. So is that a question that we need to ask as to why in professional football we consider that somebody who is an absolute genius or has been at the top of their game as a player has the ability to run a high-class organisation dealing with personnel, dealing with players, dealing with techniques and tactics and the psychology and and the integration of multidisciplinary individuals into a successful team and dealing with the media, etc., etc., etc. Is that person really equipped because they're, they have been an excellent technician and part of a successful team? Are they equipped in any way, shape or form to lead an organisation? Well, all the stats say that probably not, because otherwise all great players, when they took over a football club as a coach or a manager, would would, would be brilliant at it. And it's obviously not the case. In the interview, it's also touched on, which is which is very interesting. And, and this is a this is a a topic that Steve Rutter talks about so eloquently when we did Steve's interview. And, and I can only strongly recommend if you haven't heard Steve's interview, go and have a listen to it. I mean Steve Rutter's been part of a team at Luton Town who are absolutely flying. And um I think it says it says absolutely buckets for Steve about what kind of guy he is and, and what kind of experience he's got. But Steve Rutter talked to me about the English FA and how we educate coaches. And we do an awful lot of work in this country about coach coach education. The but is though, and I totally believe this, that we are we have lost our strict policy of making it a challenge for coaches to pass their exams. It appears to me and it appears to other people that I speak to that now it is easier to get your coaching qualifications than it was a decade ago. The rigours of the assessment process are not nearly as strict as they were. So what is happening is that a lot more people are getting their badges and getting their stamp and getting their certificate, but actually the the quant- the quality of those individuals in terms of their ability to do that job is lessened, although the quantity of individuals is higher. Now, do we want more quantity and less quality, or do we want more quality? Well, I think the answer is obvious. And in this interview, they talk about very much how the German coach education system is apparently much stricter and more regimented than the English system. And that, you know, they, they are, they are, they have been doing things that we are doing um, much, much earlier than us. So, so that they, they, they consider that our education system in, in terms of its, its coach education aspect is certainly not as strong 
And I, I certainly think that that is something that we need to address because um, it's for me, it's all about quality and it certainly isn't about quantity. Um, I think we do an awful lot right in this country. We, we certainly produce players who are tough. We certainly produce players who are, who are resilient and we produce players who are, who are athletes. I think technically we also produce good players. I, I think tactically because of the, of what we've talked about, about the limited opportunities for players to, to play at the cutting edge, to play where it really matters, to play against real opposition that, that um, create opportunities for them to grow into, into, into world-class professionals. I think that's where we limit ourselves because of this fear of needing to have a result. I need to keep my job. We need to get a win. We need three points. We need to stay in the league. We need to get into the playoffs. And yes, we all understand that. But the consequence of that is that our young players, as as you know, people of great eminence have, have alluded to, that we that limits the opportunities for our players. And I, and I think it's being addressed. The loan system does does it does a good job, but it's still not the same as as being at your club that you've your homegrown. You've been through the academy, and you know you can progress. And there's a certain there's a certain something about doing that and there's a certain respect about doing that that that, that allows you to grow as an individual. Um, again, in terms of experience, one of the interviews that we've recently done was with a young man called James Bolton who spent a number of years in his fledgling career out on loan and out on loan at places like Halifax and Workington and so on and Gateshead and absolutely learned the game as a boy playing against men and when he returned to his home club he 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 he'd come back with such invaluable experience because he'd actually been subjected to the you know the flames of playing in, in a real tough environment and he'd had to respond to that and i think that's something that that Norwich City are looking at they're actually brave enough and iconoclastic about it you know they're, they're looking at the world differently and thinking well you know we're not on about winning this season we're actually on about developing something for the future and having a team of young people you know if you want to talk about young people we just need to look at um the the, the great loss we had um recently of eric harrison who was the coach for the the class of 92 and um you know what what those young players did for the for the manchester united team um that sir alex ferguson so successfully overlooked for for so many years so han you know Hats off to Norwich City and um, long may it continue that they've made great decisions about which way they want to go and been brave enough to do that. And my question to you is as coaches and as maybe as as leaders and as managers, um, are you as a club, are you as an individual and are you as part of an organisation, are you brave enough to make those kind of decisions and be long term because it takes everybody to be on board to do that. I hope that that stimulates a little bit of a thought process and, um, you know, leads you to make some decisions that might uh, be of real value to the organisation that you work with and give you a little bit of a philosophy about, what, you know, where it is that we want to go. Because I think playing the long game is the only game to play. So there we go. That's this week's Leader Manager Coach podcast. Thought I'd share that with you. And I'm sure there'll be loads on the web if you want to check that out and find out a little bit more about it. But um as always, thanks for your time. I do appreciate it. And uh, any comments, 
gratefully received www.robriles.co.uk or catch me on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook. Great to speak. Catch you again. Bye-bye.